0: Welcome to STD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at ccoastfares.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening.
1: All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them who you belong to. Go. kind of quiet in here. It's a weird question, isn't it? It's a weird question, and yet it's not. Did anybody have the first response like, I don't belong to you, I belong to me, right? Well, I feel sorry for you if that's really true. Uh, Because here's the greatest thing about me, it's who I belong to. The greatest things about me is who I belong to. Uh, We have this idea in America that uh, freedom means I don't belong to anybody, I don't owe anybody, anything, I don't have any entanglements, you're an idiot, Seriously. It's, it's the entanglements that make my life worth living. I belong first to God. In my relationship with Jesus Christ, I belong to him. I belong to my wife. I belong to, So a number of years ago, I was wanting to get a Harley. Harley Davidson. It's a motorcycle. And I always thought I'd look good on one. Had to be a pretty good sized one now, but still, I always thought I'd look good on one. And so I actually, um, uh, actually bought one. It was a, it was a weird that kind of bought. When Bruce is over here laughing because the one I bought didn't actually run, and uh, and he got it fixed for me, and uh, and and when I did that, my family uh, called a family meeting and did an intervention. <laughs> I'm not lying; it's honestly the truth. They sat me down and said, "Now, Dad, we've seen how you ski, <laughs> and we've seen how you ride dirt bikes." And we've seen how you, you know, how you kind of live. You're not getting the motorcycle. Well, I kind of, you're not riding the motorcycle. It's not going to happen. Dad, it's just not going to happen. They did an intervention. And it was funny because then they really pulled out the big guns. Like, do you see these grandchildren? (laughs) Do you want them to grow up without a grandfather? And they could tell that I wouldn't get it. so they said, and you know you have a whole staff. There's a whole bunch of people depend on you to pay their paycheck, right? You know that, you know, they'd go hungry and probably die if you didn't. I mean, they were laying it on thick. And, uh, and, and at the end of it, you know what happened? Uh, with Bruce's advice and, uh, and their insistence, I sold that bike. I never rode it once because I belong to my family. I belong to them. And if they think it is better, now I'm not saying they should control me. Whatever. They've never, ever done that with anything, ever. This one time they set me down and they said, nope, this isn't happening. And I said, okay, okay. I mean, we argued over several years. But anyway, because I belong to them. I belong to them. I mean something to them, and they mean something to me. And, And if they feel like there's an issue, we need to have this out in the open and deal with it. The reality is, is that you were born to belong. We all think freedom is just having no attachments. I can just go where I want, do what I want. That is called loneliness, See, you were born to belong. So we're in this series. This series is is kind of a a reminder, a basics about you know. There's a uh, my grandson has decided that he's really into uh, sports now, and uh, and, uh, he's a fan, and he's kind of like Rain Man a little bit because he can remember every team, like what their record is. Every single NFL team, he knows their record, and he can tell you about the team. And it just just started like a few weeks ago. I'm like. Wow, you're you're amazing, and 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 now he's starting to get into basketball. And so we started talking about football. Has there ever been a, a, a pro team that went the whole season without losing? And I said, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins good for you, all the older guys in the room. Uh, and um, and then he said, Well, what about basketball? I, said, I don't think any pro teams ever done. It. But there was this team uh, that used to have a, a school uh, here in California. Used to have a basketball team named UCLA. <laughs> You yelled before you heard the joke. But anyway, uh, and I told him about Coach Wooden, right, winning his coach ever in history. And do you know what he did the first day of practice every year? Do you know what he did? He taught the players how to put their socks on. Because without blisters, without feet getting messed up, they would have a much better season. Every year, he taught these players, young men, how to put their socks on. You see, you need to sometimes revisit the basics. And so in this series, we want to revisit the basics and kind of come up with a bumper sticker version of a creed for what we believe. And so last week, we talked about believe in Jesus and follow him. And this week, I want to talk about belong to Jesus and embrace his family. Believe in Jesus and follow him. Belong to Jesus and embrace his family. You were created to belong. Uh, Ken Blanchard, a number of years ago, who was kind of a business guru guy, wrote a lot of books and stuff, became a Christian later in life. And as I heard him speak one time, I heard, as I recall, the way he told it was, he was driving down the road, and it suddenly just dawned on him, this whole thing was true, and he needed to accept Christ. And here's how he said it. He said, I pulled over, and I joined the team. That's how he talked about his salvation experience. I pulled over, and I joined the team. You were created to live, on, to be on a team. You're saying, oh, great, he's going to use sports analogies all day long. <laughs> all right? So deal with it. Uh, so you were created. Christianity, faith itself, is a team sport. It's about being on a team. Uh, so you belong on a team and it's God's team. We need God and we need others. Now here's an interesting thing. In, in Genesis 2:18, we find the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now here's what is interesting about this is that here's Adam. He has got, he's got everything he needs. He's got everything he needs except for one thing. It's the first time God said it's not good. He created things. Oh, that's good. He created that. That's good. He created that. That's good. And he looked at it and he went, that's not good. It wasn't a surprise to God. He was just making a point. So now think about this. We, uh, we, if you're kind of theologically oriented, remember that this conversation, or this, this, was, this, this happened pre-fall. In other words, even before sin entered the world, man, it was still not good for him to be alone. But he had God. Well, evidently, man was created to need more than God. So in the garden, God created a man who was hungry, and there was food, right? He was lonely, and so God needed to create a helper, a suitable person, someone else. We need God and others. It was pre-fall, it was pre-fall if you think about it. It was a perfect world. There was no crime, no traffic. He had all the possessions. He had everything he could want. Um, his position, pretty good job. He was CEO of the world. Um pretty good job. All the things that we think are going to fill us up, Adam had, and still God said it is not good. We need to realize we were created as relational beings. That's a need that God put in us, not just for him, but for him and others. We need God and we need others. All right, if you don't believe that, let's look at the New Testament version. Um, in Matthew twenty-two, thirty-six. Um, 36, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if you just quit after love the Lord your God and just quit there, all we would need to be talking about is just a vertical relationship. That's all we need, you and God. That's all you need. You're good. You're good to go. Now, there is a, a misunderstanding because of the individualistic society we live in, and we call it the Lone Ranger Christian. Some of you online, I don't know which camera it is, which camera ever I want to instill the most shame and guilt. Here, whichever, I don't know which one it is. You think you can be a Christian on your own. You don't understand the Bible, you're out of God's will. I'm just telling you that. Not because you stayed home. I mean, you may have a reason to stay home. But if you just stayed home because you think you can do it alone, you're wrong. Because he didn't just say, love God. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. You're not a Christian if you're being a Lone Ranger because you're missing the other part. He didn't just say love God. If you just said love God, then you get the vertical thing and you're good. But he didn't say that. He said love God and love your neighbor because in your loving God, how are you going to express that love that you're receiving from God? How are you going to practice getting better at it unless you're interacting with others? Right? Love God and love each other. It's a two deal. It's, It's not a single one. It's both. That's why being a part of a team, a spiritual team, is so incredibly important. We learn to express and and more deeply experience God's love as we interact with each other. I often think of us as a, you ever ever say those little tumbler kits when you're a little kid, you put a rock in there and it comes out all smooth? You know what I'm talking about? They put it in a barrel with other abrasives and it, it just kind of does that and it takes off the rough edges. That's what Christianity is you get saved, God throws you in a barrel with the rest of us, and we just knock the rough edges off each other. Right? Isn't that right? And I, I just think it would, you're never going to be shiny and smoothy and beautiful as a Christian unless you allow yourself to get knocked around a little bit relationally, have to deal with your own stuff, and help others deal with theirs, and that's a part of the deal here. And it's not just about getting through or getting along, it's about getting shaped to be more like Jesus. That's why we need uh, each other. The scripture talks about the one another's of, of, of scripture. Now, we were talking about this. I was talking about with staff a little bit in preparation for this. And, and, and they reminded me of a, a little thing that, that I've used over the years. And it's that oftentimes people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. You, right? You remember that one? So they come into your life for a reason. Uh, God puts them there. And, so, and sometimes they're the most irritating people. And just remember, God put him there. He's knocking off some rough edges, okay? And and and, and other times it's for other reasons. I, I was I had a friend of that child, and um, they found out the child was going to be Down syndrome. And I was thinking about that, and and I remembered that in my life, almost all my growing up years, in different locations, there was a Down syndrome child in my life, well, a peer, someone my age or, or a little bit older. And then and then later when I was in college and my first church, uh, younger, and uh, I remember. And, and here's my first thought about that. It just triggered it when I heard my friends um, um, uh, impending birth of his, his son. I, I, it, what I triggered was that I don't remember those people being in my life for me to help them. I remember them being in my life to teach me. Because I learned some wonderful things. I learned some incredible things. You see, people in your life for a reason And sometimes people are in your life for a season. Sometimes it's painful. We don't remember that. Not everybody's going to take the whole journey with you. And it's okay. Now, you may not know this, but every pastor that I know, doesn't matter how big their church is, when they hear about somebody leaving their church, it hurts a little bit. Because pastors have an ego just like everybody else, sometimes a little bigger than everybody else. And one of the things I've had to learn over the years is that the congregation does not belong to me, nor do the individuals in it. And if it's the season for someone to leave, now if they left mad, we need to reconcile as Christians. But if they felt like it was a season to be somewhere else, I can't take that personally. Maybe God wants them to be somewhere else. Maybe they'll be fed better, or they'll, they'll be able to contribute. That's not my call. But I need to hold these relationships fairly loosely. and Because they might just be with us for a season. And then the, those that you don't hold loosely, you hang on for dear life. And those are the people in your life for life. Like the person you're married to, your children, a few close friends, a few. You won't have many. And if we just kind of, and by the way, let me just add one category. There are people who shouldn't be in your life. I'm I'm serious. Not because they're inconvenient, not because they're, no, because they're bad for you. And they they've wounded you in the past. They'll wound you in the future. They're dangerous. They're trying to lead you the wrong direction. You need to cut off from them. And I, that sounds so harsh. Well, they need Jesus. Yeah, but you might not be the one who's going to bring them to Jesus. You might need to leave them to Jesus, and you move on. And they're just those people in our lives. We just need to we need to be healthy enough to recognize that. You don't get to save everybody. I don't get to save everybody. So. As we look at, at at our team, the truth is that the players on our team may change. The coach is always the same. In that ten or eleven year run at UCLA, same coach, new players, same coach, never lost a game, unbelievable. Our coach never loses a game. Okay, get on his team, get on his team, and and stay there and let him guide you and lead you. Okay, and and it doesn't change. So here's what we, we need to talk about. Um, we need to talk about not only does uh, do you need to belong to his team? And it needs to be like, yeah, I'm on. I'm, I'm doing God's way with God's people. I'm going to do God's way with God's people. But the other thing that needs to happen is you need to realize you not only belong to his team, but his team belongs to you. Now I tell a story I told last night, they were in the service. They were so embarrassed, but I didn't point them out. But there's a leader in this church who um, uh, sits in a, one of our leadership positions here, volunteer. And uh, a number of years ago, I said to this group of leaders, Um, if I succeed or fail, it's greatly on you. Now, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to work hard. But I've given you authority in my life and in this church. And if I mess up, it's partially on you. And I meant it. If you see me doing something or moving a direction or having an attitude that is unhealthy, it is your responsibility to confront me and make sure I stay on track. By the same token, if I'm struggling, if I'm having a hard time, you need to be aware of that and come alongside and, and, and help lift me up. And that goes to the rest of the staff, but me specifically for this group. A few months later, it came to me. He said, my wife and I have been praying and I took serious what you said that night. And I'm like, okay. He goes, so we have this timeshare and we would like to give you one week a year, every year. Pick wherever you want to go, to pamphlet, anywhere you want to go. Now, the one I picked, turns out it's not actually in the pamphlet. It's more expensive than the others, but he didn't tell me that until years later. But I'm still going there anyway. <laughs> and so for the past number of years, many years now, I have taken one week with just my wife, or maybe I take some of the family occasionally, not often, not the boy so much, the girl, more <laughs> um, And. One week every year, we just connect. We don't have anything else to do. We don't need to do business. We, now my wife sneaks into computer work occasionally. I don't even take a computer. Uh, and because my friend, and that's not the only thing they've done for us, but this particular friend said, "I want, I want your marriage to be healthy. I want you to be healthy, and I'm going to contribute to this in, in a solid." So Connie and I have a couple of more dates open. If any of you extra time, I'm kidding, I'm just now this friend has actually gone on to do um, more significant things to contribute to our church and to our family, but here's what my point is, my point is just like my family had a responsibility to my well-being and my friend did, people say, well I I don't need to show up at church, I've heard all this stuff before yeah who said it's for you who said you show up for church for you? That's a consumer mindset. Let's look at a first chapter of consumerism. Oh, it's not in there. That's you living out a context, the context you live in, in the church, and this isn't about you. It may be about what you're going to contribute. Is it possible the only reason God has you here today is to smile and say hi to someone in such a warm fashion that it lifts somebody's spirit who's struggling this week? Is that possible? Huh? Is that possible? You see, you don't come here to get something. I hope you do get something when Cody's speaking, it's less likely, but when I'm speaking, you might get, you might get, <laughs> the reality is, is that it's to honor God and to let God use you because you have a responsibility to the rest of the team. So, um, and we need to kind of change our mindset about that. So let me, let me just kind of get to this. I'm going to give you, I want you to pick out, um, well before I do let me just say this, here's, here's what can happen to church. We can hear and we can even understand. So we here we understand. but until you experience it, I knew that the leaders cared about me, but that old boy came with me and told me about a week a year and I went, mean, they really do care about me. right? And so I not only heard it and understood it, now I've experienced it. Here's what happens in the one another's of scriptures. Here's what happens when we care for each other, is we hear God's word and what God's about and what love is and all this stuff, and grace and all this stuff, and we understand it, and then we experience it. Great connection with these two. When you get it both places, you get it. And that's what we are to do for each other, is to help each other get it. That God's love is real, that God's grace is, is is sufficient, exactly. So I got 10 things. You pick out three, okay? I'm going to give you 10 things. I, I just want to start this year in a really practical way. i want going to give you 10 things you can do to help somebody get it, help somebody experience God goodness and, and love through you, okay? Here's the first one, security. So these are just based on some needs that we have. Here's what it says in uh, 1 John 4, 18. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Um, here's a phrase you might want to try. Honey, I'm on your team for life, Great thing to say to your spouse. Great thing to say to your kids. I am on your team. I'm not just here for a season. I am on your team for life. So here's one of the things. Hey, Men and women, we're different. Let's just begin. People want to say we're the same. It's not true. So statistics, are, many surveys have shown that the number one need for women in marriage is security. Any man who ever threatens his wife with leaving her, um, ever uses that, you're an idiot. That's two times I've called you an idiot today. i got one more coming. <laughs> Here's what me saying to my wife. Honey, I am here. I'm here. Now, we have to work out some stuff. We have to stay up all night because we're angry. We're going to figure it out. But I am here. I am not going. Here's what it does. It creates an environment of trust and security in which we can be vulnerable and tell the truth about what we're feeling, even if it's at each other. It creates an environment. kind of I, I kind of picture it like a, a hot house. Where, where my wife can walk in there, the world is cold and it's harsh and it's windy and it's snowing and it's crazy out there. But she walks into our house, into this relational sphere, and she knows that she is protected and she is loved. Even if we're at odds with each other about some issue, it, it does, that, that's here. That's a minor thing. The deeper stuff, we're on track always because I am here. Honey, I'm on your your team for life. It creates an environment where she can grow, she can become, she can experiment same is true for my kids. Honey, daughter, son, there is nothing you'll ever do that caused me not to love you, ever, ever, ever. Now, there's some things that disappoint me, some things that upset me, and when it, I'm gonna talk to you about it, but don't ever doubt that I love you. See, we set that kind of environment where in the world in which we live, people, it, it's transactional. If you do this, then I'll be your friend. If you do this, then we'll be, no, no, this is not transactional. This is, I've decided I, I will love this one, period, that is it. Now, how we get along, we may have to work that out occasionally. There's never any question about it. The word divorce doesn't get used in our house. Had never has and it never will. It's not an option. My wife suggested that murder may be. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh... so that's security. What about the need for comfort? We all need to be comforted from time to time. Romans 12:15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. You see, when people are hurting. They need comfort and we don't know what to do. But here's something someone said to me recently. He said, I am so sorry you're going through this. I am so sorry. You know what's interesting? It didn't change anything, it didn't fix anything, but I felt so much better. Because suddenly it felt like in that moment I wasn't carrying it all by myself. I'm sorry you're going through this. How about our need for attention? Our need for attention. Uh, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to to the parts that lacked it. Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. We are the body. Some parts don't get much attention, and God has given honor to that. So that there will be no division in the body, but that the parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We all need some attention. Now, some of us need so much attention. It's super unhealthy. But all of us need some attention. We need to be seen. We need to be heard. We need to be... um, Parents, let me give you a little thing. If if your kids are acting out, you know what the solution is? Time. Your time. Here's what it is. Here's what this means. It's all about my time spent on your agenda, and I'm going to be fully present. Time doesn't mean you stick the kid out in the garage while you're working on the car. It means you ask the kid what they wanted to do. You ever notice someone who's good with children? What do they do when they meet a child? They don't do this. They get down on their knees and they talk to them. They give them full-on attention. In the body of Christ, people come and they go and nobody ever looks them in the eye. Let me say this to you. I want to remind you this. I say it all the time. I remind myself of this all the time. You will never look in the eye of someone Jesus didn't die for. Never. So start looking in people's eyes. Give them just enough attention to know that they are seen. Even in the parking lot, even riding the car, whatever you need to do. All right, I got to hurry. Uh, I, I got 10 of these. Holy cow. All right. Acceptance. Here's what it says in Romans fifteen seven. Accept one another just, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Acceptance is usually when we disagree with somebody. Acceptance and approval are not the same thing. I can still accept you. Hey, let's talk about this. I don't agree, but I care. Let's have a conversation. I just want you to know, I see you as a human being, as valuable, even if I disagree with so much about you. How about appreciation? 1 Corinthians eleven two, 2. I praise you for remembering me and everything. Uh, in, when I'm in Africa, they say, we just want to appreciate you. Now, in, in, in America, we think of appreciation as an emotion or a feeling or a thought. In Africa, it's kind of an event. We just want to appreciate you. And then they stand there and appreciate you. It's it's a weird thing. We just want to appreciate you. Okay. Are we done appreciating yet? But it's a cool thing. Um, uh, Support. Carrying one another's burdens. Uh, Just the simple thing. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for I? Can I just, is there something I can pray for you with? I, went to, I, was in a, I was in the Caribbean when I first got married, and, and I looked at, in the island I was at. I, my dad had done ministry there years before, long before tourists ever discovered it, really. And, and there was a local pastor, Pasta Sons, Pasta Sons. and I looked him up, and, and, uh, and he took me around the island. And we went to the market, which should have been a 10-minute walk, and it turned into an hour and a half because every other stall, they wanted him to pray for them. Pasta, Pastor pastor's Sons, Pastor Sons, and they would tell them about their son or their daughter, or they were sick. And so I got done and I said, Wow, all these people go to your church. I said, oh no, none of those people go to my church. But they know I'll pray for them. Um he was supportive. How about affection? The Bible says to greet one another with a holy kiss. So we're all just gonna stand. <laughs> Yesterday I, I got out of my car and, and uh, we have a we have a facilities, guy's Name who's Juan. He is the greatest facilities guy in the history of the world. And he's just the nicest guy. Anybody who volunteers No, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. Juan is one is un, and now that's something. You just heard applause for a guy who works on facilities around here. Juan is the greatest. So he picked me up at a golf cart. I parked down at the other end. And he picked me up in a golf cart and he puts his arm around me. Pastor, you okay? You doing good? You feel okay? And we rode all the way in from the end of the park with his arm around me. And 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 I and I just thought. That's not just cultural, that's one. that's who one is, that's what he does. He cares. He's not asking me these questions to pass the time of day. He, he actually is affectionate, and I'm thinking, wow, we've been in such a sex crazed culture. We're physically afraid to, and especially in you know when we got the virus, you know I've known people who knew how to pat someone on the shoulder in a way that was more comforting than any number of words I could do or sermons I could share, right And, and we need to be able to do that. and then um, respect. And um, uh, by the way, I said earlier that number one, women's need in many surveys is for security. The number one need for husbands, by the way, is respect. Is respect. And uh, learning to give respect. By the way, one of the things I've learned to do this with other people, I'm not good at I'm not good at any of these, by the way. It's where I'm doing the sermon, okay? Um, is to just say, hey, I'm, I've been thinking about something. Can you give me some input on something? Just ask for their input on something. Don't make them make the decision. I'm offloading any weight on them. You just say, like, can you give me? You, know, you do this with children? Uh, I deal with my grandkids. I think it's a, a powerful way to include someone. How about approval? Approval. Um, I've listed a passage, but I think a better passage is when God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And th- we, need to, we need to extend approval to those around us. Uh, uh, Alex Mitala, the founder of the, uh, the movement in Africa that I work with, um, he says, these are serious people serious and I haven't fully figured out culturally why that's an important thing to say but I can see people sit higher in their seats their chest goes out a little bit when he says that there's something about that phrase that says something about them that they've never really believed about themselves before these are serious people pastor come speak to us these are serious people in America I don't know that doesn't mean much but somehow he's found a way to affirm to approve people in a way that they get it and then encouragement, encouragement. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Now, you know, I, I want to start this year out in a practical way. So here's what we're going to do. You've got a card on the way in. Take it out, uh, if you don't mind. It, it's a note of encouragement. So instead of just talking about it, and you'll forget it by tomorrow, I want you to at least do one good thing out of this deal, okay? I want you to, I want you to write over the next few minutes. I'm going to ask the band to come up, the singers to come out. They're going to do a little writing music or something. Um... Uh, I want you to write a note of encouragement. Now, if you don't have a card or a pencil, just raise your hand. There are people coming on the aisles. So I hand them out to you. And I don't want you to just sit there blankly. Okay. This is a two minute drill. You don't have time to think about it. Write it. Okay. Just pick a person and write a, a little note of encouragement. And we're going to have you send it to them or you can screenshot it and send it to them, whatever you want to do. But w- just for two minutes, let's just live this out for a moment. Okay. Let's just actually do one good thing right off the bat this year. All right. So they're going to sing and uh, and play and you're going to write and then I'll be back up in just a minute to give you my final point of the sermon. I'm going to ask these guys to stay over here and do that again. I just want to remind you, I, I told you a few years ago the story about that song. I never heard Corey do it. And uh, we were in, uh, in Uganda, in, in Katwe, which is the biggest slum in Uganda. And we were going to do an outdoor kind of meeting. And it was in a big field. And there's trash burning back here. And drug deals going on over here. People getting haircuts over here. And it was and armed guards right here. And it was crazy. And Deb, were you out there early in the evening or did you come later after he did this? Were you there when he did this? Deb was with us on that trip, and I remember being scared to death, because there weren't many faces that looked like mine. There were no faces that looked like mine. And I was going to speak to this crowd, and they're roaming around, there's hundreds of them, they're roaming around, and they're doing this kind of stuff. And then uh, Corey gets up and does what Corey does. He just leaned into it. And he just started singing. The band, the, the local guys, the African guys, picked it up and started, and started playing along. And Corey started singing and leaning into it. And then he went into his lean on, lean on me. And then he went leaning on the everlasting hour. It was an old hymn. You may not know that, but they knew it there. And they started singing. And by the time we were done, the whole crowd now it was dark. There were thousands who had come in. And he had them all. I don't know how he did it. They don't speak a language. He had them all leaning on each other and singing with them. And I and 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 after that I could preach. Because here's the problem. At first I felt all alone. But then when Corey stepped in, I knew I wasn't alone. Not only was Corey with me, he'd led the whole congregation to be ready to what I was about to say. Here's some, here's my final point. As the church, we're all all, all the time worried about and trying to help people with their fallenness. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to help with the fallenness. By fallenness, I mean living less than lives, less than God created us to live, our sins, our mistakes, our failures, our weaknesses, our hurts, our pain. We, that, a lot of that, we talk about that and how God can heal it. But we're not just supposed to worry about fallenness. We're supposed to take care of aloneness. I was feeling really alone in that ghetto. And yet, I had someone with me. And there are people who walk through our world feeling they may be in crowds every day. They may know a lot of people and they're feeling alone. And we, the body of Christ, are to embrace them. To let them know that we will help them walk through whatever fallenness they've got. But first, we're going to help them deal with their aloneness. Right? That's a part of what we're supposed to do. So here's what I want us to do to finish today. I want us to stand together. And I want them to sing this song again. And I want to just challenge you. Not only to send that note to somebody or screenshot it. I want you in the next few moments to do something uncomfortable. I want you to find somebody. Lean up against them just a little bit. I know, it's COVID. Face opposite directions. I don't care, and let's be there for each other for just a moment. Come on, Corey. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live at secosgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.